great. Thank you. appreciate that, guys. Our text is 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, as we continued the sermon started last week, that uh, dealt with avoiding eternal tragedy. I tell you what, I'm glad those two guys are saved. We get to hear them again in heaven. All right, and really, when you think about that, that is a good thing. You know, the great music we'll have up there. Won't that be wonderful? So, uh, let's just keep our perspectives right as we allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. Now, last time, starting this uh, message, we looked at the term in verse 2 of pernicious ways, which means uh, destruction. Ways that lead to destruction. Destruction of what? Usually destruction of souls, whether it's to hell or loss of reward or what had have you. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn before we read our text to 1 Peter chapter 4, it's just about a page or two over, verses 17 and 18. Listen as I read it. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. If it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, let me just insert there. The Bible tells us that Lot, remember, Sodom, Saved out of Sodom, but, oh, his testimony. But the Bible in the New Testament calls him a righteous man. Now think of that. Those are the ones scarcely, okay? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now shall we pray. Father, thank you for the time once again to go right back into your word. Help us to make it clear. Help to be understandable to each and every one. Lord, the destruction of souls is a tragedy. The destruction of testimonies is a tragedy. The destruction of the doctrine and the Word of God, standards, holiness, is a tragedy. Because the end thereof is never good. So, Lord, I pray for the Spirit of God to work mightily. Lord, it's your word. I'm your messenger. So I pray for those under the sound of my voice would be encouraged to go all out for the Lord in these last days. For ones that may be without Christ, may they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. All right, last time we were looking, uh, really closed out with uh, Galatians chapter uh, 5 and verses 17 through 25, where we looked at the battle between the flesh and the spirit. That's an ongoing battle. That battle's not going to stop. The flesh warth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and they're the contrary one to another. Contrary means they are bitter enemies to one another. That's the bottom line there. And so he has told us that this, but what I need you to understand as you're going through the book of 2 Peter, the Lord is telling us how things are going to be actually in the local churches as well as things that are going on around the countries of the world, but how it is in the local churches as they begin to take on the look of the world and it's showing what's going to happen in the last days. And I think that we see that happening for us today. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about just the things that are going on in the local churches today. 
Now, I could stand up here and preach to you about all having the peace and the help of God during this time. I think I've, every sermon I've seen on, on uh, advertisements, everybody's preaching that. So I'll just let them have it, okay? And we'll stick with the word of the Lord and stick with the Lord and stick with what he tells us to do, okay? Now, so, uh, looking at verses 2 and 3 there, he says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall many with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So, again, talking about the last days. So when we think of the war against the flesh, what is it? Well, the number one I see so far today is grace and liberty. They turn the grace of God, Jude 4, into lasciviousness. Okay, and so what do they do? They'll say things like, well, look, there's nothing wrong with smoking a cigar. Or there's nothing wrong with taking a social drink. You bunch of legalists and things of that nature, they like to call names and so forth. Well, that's when the, a Christian, if it's a Christian, allows the flesh to win over the spirit. They're feeding the flesh, not the spirit. Oh, we can watch sex on any, of any kind on our cellular devices today, as well as your children. And by the way, uh, those that are listening, by the way, of Internet and radio, and those that may be here today that have children at home, you're going off to work, and they've got cellular devices, and you're not there to monitor it. Guess what can happen? Guess Satan's a tempter. Satan is a tempter. Don't trust Satan. Well, I trust my child. Hey, I trust my child too, but I, what I trust is the Lord Jesus Christ, really. But I know that my child in his own strength is no match for the devil. I'm no match for the devil in, in my own strength. We've got to walk with the Lord. So, parents, be extra careful. Set with them the whole day. If you're at home too, set with them. Stay with them. Make sure that uh, anything there are. I'm told that there are... if. If you're the parent and you bought the, the cell phones that they have, I don't know this. I, I've just been told this, that you can, uh, I guess, go down to the store that you buy it from, uh, the, you know, whoever it is, Verizon or whoever else it might be, say, I want to have an app on my telephone that shows me everywhere my children go, all the texts they get, every place they visit on their cell phones. I, I'm saying that's, well, that's not trusting my kid. Yeah, but the Lord didn't ask you to be stupid to raise a child. Okay. He asked you to actually love the child and care enough to protect them. Okay. And so, come back to the point of just saying, okay, I'm paying for the phone. I want to know what you're doing on that phone. You know what? You might be able to catch a lot of problems and stop them from having regrets that will be something that lasts within the rest of their life. Stay on top of it. So they have all these things that are going on in the churches. They have music that sounds like a nightclub. The women are half-dressed and dancing in every way, which way. And yet we find that people are more respectful of some kind of a wedding or going into a courtroom than they are going into God's house. And I just wonder why we think that God is worth less honor than man is. And by the way, 
coronavirus is a serious thing, and it takes more than an aspirin to take care of it. And in these last days of these prophesied things of evil that are going on in the local church, it takes repentance and revival. That's what it's going to take. There's no place for a divided heart between the world and God because the Lord spews that kind out. You've got to decide, is he my all in all or is he not? See, too many have a religion, they don't have Christ. Too many that do have Christ, but they have more of a religion, they've mixed it up. It makes God sick. It makes God sick. Now notice, he said there in our text, the way of truth shall be spoken evil of. Let me give an example. 2,500 churches were concerned about the contemporary movement, the less Bible preaching and the less standards and other things like that that were going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now I'm not attacking the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm telling you this is an actual thing that took place very recently, this year, okay? They, they uh, were concerned and they band together and asked the convention to do something about it or they were going to pull out. J.D. Greer, who is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, did not like that at all and he got rather upset. And of course he's a president, has a large church, a contemporary church in North Carolina. But let me just tell you a little bit about J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer... As a little boy got saved and grew up at the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina, under the ministry of Bobby Robertson. He heard Bible preaching, Bible teaching, growing up. They did not leave him, he left them. Okay? Now, he attacked it. On his social media as being legalist and unloving people who take that position these 2,500 churches wanted to take. He attacked it and included the names as a unloving, poor testimony, the sword of the Lord and those toting their King James Bible. Sounds like love coming out of their mouth too, doesn't it? Yet, there's an independent Baptist pastor, has a large church, large ministry, has a Christian college and all that. I'm not going to name him here. But he didn't say the same things as this guy said, but he did use as unloving a somewhat legalistic approach as the sword of the Lord. Now, when I see Bible preaching, Bible teaching, standing on the Word and standing true to the faith and the standards and doctrines of God's Word, when I see those men get attacked for that by other preachers and other ministries, I know one thing. Those men that are doing the attacking are false prophets. Not because I say so, because the Bible reveals them to be that way. And by the way, You'll notice in verse 3, he talks about feigned words. 
Well, pain words comes out on social media as well. And look, social media does not justify gossip, sowing discord, and attacking men who preach the word as it is to men as they are speaking the truth in love. Well, I don't think they love. Okay, now you're playing God again. I am deity. I can look at their heart and I can tell whether they love or not. And it surprised me. They have these, all these letters after their names. And they say something so ignorant. You know? Only God can see the heart. So that makes me wonder. I know that any time whether I get a new administrator, a new principal, a new youth director, or you get a new pastor, anytime that happens in a fundamental church such as ours, there's going to be people that go to that new person. You know what? We've got to do something about the standards. It's too legalistic. We're going to lose our numbers if we don't do something about that. You know, we've not been about numbers. We've been about glorifying God Amen. and staying true to the word. And that's what we intend to remain. But there are those kinds that will go to those people. And they will say something about it. And what is that doing? That's allowing the flesh to win in their lives. The flesh to be manifested over the spirit is what they're asking. Although they would say, well, that's not what I mean. Well, that's what they're doing by their action. You see, they're more concerned for the flesh than they are for the holiness and the truth and the righteousness of God and his word. If they're saved, they are backslid. And what we're reading here in 2 Peter is being prophesied of them. Look, there may be people attacking me. You've heard me say many times up here, I don't care what they think or say. And I really don't, if I'm preaching the truth, I'm standing with the Lord. I'm standing on his word. I don't care if people get upset with me because I'm standing on the word and saying what he wants me to say. I really don't care. So, uh, you know, what I do care about, though, is that they get right with God. Look, just because people ran me down or said things or they run you down and say things, we don't have to be mad at them. Pray for them. Now, you don't trust them, but you do pray for them. Pray they'll get right. Pray that God will do what's necessary to get their hearts right. And, and that is a very important because I believe that we are living in the last days. And I don't want our people to be one of these prophesied negative prophecies of the last days. And see, what does a person like that need to do? Well, just what we read in Galatians chapter 5 last time. They need to crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. And so again, verse 3. And through covetousness, they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now but long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Those are hard-hitting words, are they not? You know, words like covetousness, people may covet something that you have. They still not only want to have it, they want to change it. It isn't love to stand on the word of God, uh, I mean, stand against the word of God. It is love to stand for his word. 
Look, the law of kindness is to tell the truth. God's word is holy. He is holy in all his ways. He's righteous and holy in all of his ways and works. Read Psalm 145, 17. It says that. And you know what? Since God changeth not, and the Bible tells us that, and the Bible doesn't lie, and God doesn't lie because it's God's word, he doesn't change. He's still holy in all his ways. He's still holy in all his works. And righteous. Now, you either believe it, or you say, well, I know the culture changes that, then you're calling God an out-and-out liar. That is dangerous. That is very, very, very dangerous. Don't do it. Uh, Today, we have the churches that are changing. I've mentioned that earlier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. Listen. But shun, okay, there's a command for Christians. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have uh, erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. <laughs> with them that call on the Lord out of out of a pure heart means it's not an ecumenical movement. It's not that kind of a thing. But on the other hand, it's not fault finding either. <laughs> COVID-19 is a bad thing. But corona of the mouth that is attacking God's house and God's people is far more dangerous. Many today say, this is what we have to do to win them. Well, that's not a new thing. Goodness gracious, Israel did that. You know, back in Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9, they were doing things on the walls. The women were out there doing things uh, that appealed to their flesh. And God brought Ezekiel and said, this is what's going on. They're going to Babylon. And they did. Well, finally they get back into land. And in Malachi... We find again that the priests are corrupting the worship of God's house. Four hundred years, it just keeps going down and getting worse. By AD 70, they're not a nation again. God has preserved it, and for about 2,000 years almost, it took for them to get back in the land. So let's understand when God says something, he means it. Now, people say, is this what we've got to do to win them? Oh, no. 
We're not out to win them. We're out to change them through the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. That's our goal. Not to build our numbers. To bring souls to the Savior is our goal. And then to build them, to edify them in the faith of God's word. That's our goal. Didn't Jesus give us that commission? Go ye therefore into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things which whatsoever I've commanded you. For by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Now, if we are his workmanship, is God holy in all his ways and righteous in all his works? So he's not going to build something that appeals to the flesh. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You say, well, what are good works? What his Bible says is good works. It's his word. So what his word says are good works, those are the good works that we are able to do and we should do. And people say, well, I just think that kind of preaching and the stance that y'all take are unloving. Boy, you would have hated Jesus. Read, read Matthew chapter 23 sometimes, the sermon of Jesus. You whited sepulchers, you serpents, you vipers, you hypocrites, you blind leaders of the blind. So if you're going to use your idea of preaching the word is, is unloving, then you've got to be consistent. Say, Jesus was one of the most unloving people that ever lived. Because the way he preached, he called them vipers and hypocrites. Grow up spiritually. Just grow up spiritually. Look at Stephen. Stephen is calling them uncircumcised in heart and stiff-necked. Again, they would say that's unloving. It's legalistic. Would it be unloving for me if I saw a little child about three years old starting to cross uh, 17th out here or 36? Cars are coming. I yell, hey, buddy, stop right now and run over there after him. I'm yelling. Don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever get in the road again. Stay away from there. Don't you know one of those road cars may kill you? They won't see you. <laughs> Might be me driving. I won't see them. So again, that's not unloving to yell at the kid. It's not unloving to tell you the truth. It's not unloving. Who was one that loved? Well, in the case of Jesus with his sermon, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Stephen fell on his he was being stoned to death and stones were pelting his body. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And he was praying for their souls. So they may say we're unloving. Well, what does that mean? It means they speak evil, as our text tells us. They speak evil. The reason, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Wow. 
You know, when I think of evil in the Greek, it is the Greek word blasphemo. You've heard our word blasphemy. It's not always translated blasphemy. But here it means to smite, to seek to hurt the reputation of another, using railing words. You see, they think that you're ignorant because you stick with your King James Bible and you know that it's actually preserved by God. Fain words comes from the Greek word uh, plastos. We get our word plastic from it. Have you ever seen a plastic apple? As a decoration, it looks good in the bowl. I mean, man, they make that so red look so good. Uh, but what happens when you eat it? <laughs> okay, it, it only takes one bite. Look, there's a lot of plastic words going on out there that are lies. They speak against the truth, but boy, they look good. They look good, but taken to that is going to just out kill you spiritually. It's going to kill your testimony. It's going to kill your relationship with Jesus Christ where you're just saved so as by fire if you're saved. And I don't want that for anybody. So they make merchandise of you with their plastic words. Oh, we're honoring Jesus with this rock and roll. We're honoring Jesus dressed immodestly. We're honoring Jesus social drinking. We're honoring Jesus. No, you're not. You're just doing the same thing they did in the wilderness. They made a Golden calf, but they did it dedicated to Jehovah. Doesn't that make it sound good because they dedicated it to Jehovah? It made God mad. He was ready to kill the whole group. Moses had to intercede for them. Now, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. Yet Jesus was hated. John 7, verse 7 says, he's speaking to his brothers. He says, the world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of its works that they are evil. He used the plural. You know why? To say that he mentioned specific sins. And they hated him for it. Now, folks, look. There's rejoicing in heaven any time a sinner repents. I would rather cause rejoicing in heaven over sinners repenting from the flesh as Christians and the unsaved are getting saved than I would to have earth rejoicing over my entertainment. Now, having said that, there are many that have been affected throughout our country By these plastic words. John the Baptist said it best. Who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come to the lost and dying. Wrath and damnation. Happens to people affected by false teachers and prophets. Those that turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And give occasion to the flesh. So let me say this kind of in closing. Don't be the tragedy 
of a soul in hell when God sent his only begotten son to die for you. And he loves you so much. And he wants to say, well, I, boy, you know the gutter sins that I've committed? No, I don't, but God does. And he says, I'll save you. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, Romans 5.20. I mean, if he could save Mary Magdalene, a woman that had five devils, she was a witch. If he could t- save the woman taken into adultery, if he could save the woman that was, uh, had five husbands, the man she was now living with, which is adultery, which is evil, which is still sin to live in without marriage. She, he said, he saved them. Paul was responsible for the murder of Stephen. He saved him. Moses was a murderer. God saved him. God can save. He can save. And Jesus will save if you come to him today. Don't allow religion of its contemporary methods telling you, oh, you can follow this and still do what you want to do and be what you want. Just say this prayer. It's the magic words. No, the prayer is not the magic words. It's the commitment to Christ. It's the commitment for Christ. Knowing that he died for you, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead, he shed his blood for you. He paid the penalty for your sin. He paid it for my sin. And I am heaven bound. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because I grew up in a pastor's home. Not because I've done a thing or two along the road. I am headed up heaven because I had to admit I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell but I believe that Jesus died for me he loves me and I was willing to give him my life he'll do that for you on the other side of that if you're a Christian don't go to heaven empty handed don't go to heaven having lost reward Bible says we count the loss hmm Things that God had already planned to give. Had you been what he called you to be. Get right with God. Let's bow our heads please.